Rosie and Bill Show wish to thank our partners in Positivity Primary Sponsors. The Roselli Agency, based in Kennett Square, Pennsylvania, Brian and his team of insurance professionals have been serving the needs of Chester County for more than two decades. The Mallon Agency, located in Springfield, PA, where they take pride in tailoring the right insurance policy for the right client and exceeding expectations every time. Welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show. Our guest this week was a child prodigy who recorded his first album at the age of 11. And the video you just saw was him at 12 years old. Please welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show, singer, songwriter, transcendent guitar player, and native of the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, Eric Steckel. Eric, so happy to have you on the show. Thank you. It's my pleasure. It's going to be great to talk to you guys today. I appreciate it. Yeah, well, Eric, we, we've been looking forward to it. And one of the things that I was thinking about is, is I watched more and more of your videos, and then I'd want to watch more and more of your videos. Right. <laughs> and, That's cool. That's cool. And I, I'm going to touch on a couple of them as we go, but sure. what, is your, what is your first recollection of the first time you picked up a guitar? Do you remember what it was or what the circumstances were? Yeah, so I, I um, so I was growing up in, in Allentown, Pennsylvania, um, and uh, my my aunt, uh, you know, my dad's sister, uh, she was an attorney up in Vermont, and they had a tradition of every July Fourth, uh, her and her husband Dave, my uncle, you know, uncle not by blood, but you know who she married, um, would they would come down every July Fourth and uh, spend time with you know uh, my family at our house in uh, Allentown, and. Um, uh, you know, uh, my uncle Dave, I always knew he was a musician, you know, but he played lots of instruments, you know, and, and my parents did not play any instruments, but they had an, my dad had an incredible vinyl collection, still does. Uh, I'd actually love to know where that is because I'm sure it's, uh, worth a pretty penny. He had like first editions of, you know, Van Halen one, like just, just lots of Leonard Skinner first editions. So I'm sure that if he ever wanted to get that appraised, it would be, probably tens of thousands, you know, but anyways, so I, I, my parents, uh, they didn't possess any particular musical abilities or skills, but they were major, uh, patrons of the arts, major music buffs. Um, so I had that growing up in my house every day, but I always knew that every July 4th, my, my musically talented uncle Dave would come down and he would always bring some amps, guitars and stuff. So that's what got me interest, interested in, the, the equipment, you know, musical equipment. I thought that was so cool. When you're a little kid, you know, like you don't understand, like 
you know, a, tu- a guitar amplifier with these like tubes in the back that light up. <laughs> like when you're like eight years old, you go, wow, this is pretty, this is cool. You know, sound comes out, you know. So I was really fascinated by the, uh, the equipment part of it because he would always bring his rig down. And then by the time I was about nine or ten uh, on my birthday, uh, he, he just saw that I was musically inclined. Uh, now, I hadn't really shown any, you know, extreme talent at this point, but he just could sense that I was a music uh, lover. So uh, him and my dad, uh, you know, uh, without me knowing, they went in together and they bought me my first uh, American-made uh, Stratocaster guitar, Fender Strat, you know, which was probably, you know, I don't know, with inflation, but back then that was still probably a thousand dollar gift, you know, that was still probably at least 500, you know, each for them. And, um, it was an amazing thing. I'm, I'm like, you know, 10 year old kid. And I have this, you know, beautifully handcrafted American, you know, Stratocaster, which was the guitar that all my hero, you know, Stevie Ray Vaughan and Jimmy, all the people I admired and my uncle himself had one. So now him and I could now jam because now I had a guitar of my own. So like I said, every July 4th for, he would come down and we would jam and he would show me a couple things. And, um, basically what I remember was, he showed me one summer, he showed me like the basic pentatonic scale, which in music is like, that's the scale that basically all rock and roll, all popular music is kind of based around that. He showed me that. And then that year, that summer, that year, I just like ran with that. And by the time he came back the next year to, to check on my progress, I was uh, already better than him, actually. Um, and I can say that because that was a, that was a joke within the family of like, wow, Dave, you, you got this kid, uh, to play, but now he's, now he's playing, you know, faster than you. So, um, yeah, that's where it all began. And then, um, it was such a roller coaster after that, because within two years of that, I was, you know, I was playing, um, professionally, I was playing in front of audiences and, uh. Yeah, it just it just spiraled from there, man. It's crazy. Erica, I just I just have to just just interject just for a second because I'm I'm, I'm processing what you just sure, said. Sure. And so he showed you the pentatonic scale on the guitar on that American-made Strat. Yep. And then you did the rest. Yeah. So yeah, because you know when you're a kid, it's weird. Like uh, as adults to think of that, it's 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 really like it seems impossible and bizarre. Which I, which I, because I, when I look back, even though it was me, it's the same guy, at 32 years old, I say to myself, how would it be possible to like get all of that knowledge in your brain in one year? But here's what I, I have to remind myself is young kids, I mean, young kids were, were you know, we're like sponges, you know, like yeah. young kids, you know, uh, whenever a kid is bilingual or whatever, it's because they're in the, you know, they're seven, eight, nine years old, and your brain at that age, it's just so much clearer. You know, when you're an adult, you're worried about all this crap, you know, uh, bills and debt and just all this grown up stuff that just takes away imagination, excitement, uh, all these sort of realities of the world that just suck the energy out of you. Right. But when you're a kid, you have no responsibilities other than maybe doing some homework assignment or something. So you just you're able to just just sit there and just soak up things. And so that's how that happened is, you know, when you're a young kid, you have time, you have no stress. Um, and that's the best time to um, to learn. That's why all of the, the, the great, you know, talents, I think, uh, athletes, musicians, actors, whatever, if you read their story, it's always the same story. It's always exactly the same, which is they were doing it as a child and 
you know, and then they uh, transitioned that into adulthood. But I have to interject something, Eric, because it's one thing to have the time and have the inclination, but not everybody can move their fingers and, and do what you were able to do on the guitar at that age so quickly. So I feel like there was, there was <laughs> you were born with an incredible amount of talent and then you had the discipline and the wherewithal to really, you know, develop it. Right. No, you're you're so right. I I can't I can never, you know, downplay that or or and I actually when I when I do interviews, um, I want people to know that I I I've never tried to really take credit for it because I knew I knew even back then, even before my brain was fully developed to the point where I could understand you know bigger things. Even then, I could grasp that I I was a bit of like a vessel. I I, I could tell mm. that. The, the, the talent, the music, the thing was, I knew it wasn't just something I made with my bare hands. I knew there was something else at work. Um, and, you know, these these topics can get heavy. Everybody has what they believe in, what they don't believe in, whatever. That's none of my business. But I always believed, even then, that something was kind of working through me because um, – when I would meet adult players, you know, I, so I was, you know, nine, 10, 11 year old kid, but I would play in these, you know, adult venues, right? I, I, you know, I wasn't just playing in, uh, you know, some kid, like Chuck E. Cheese or something, you know, I was playing in real, <laughs> you know, real, real venues and, and getting paid. Um, so all the people that I was around, all the other musicians were at least in their twenties or thirties, some were in their sixties, right? So I was around all these like grown up veteran musicians and, they all told me the same thing, which is, uh, no, Eric, this is not normal. Um, because when you're, when you are the person doing something, it feels so normal to you. But so when I was nine years old playing, like I get it now when I watch the video, like the video you showed, when I watch that now as an adult, I go, Oh, I get it. This is freaky. Like, this is like, if I would have walked into a venue and seen this, I would have been like, Whoa. But when you're the when you're the one doing it, you don't think it's weird. You're like, why is everybody making a big deal? I'm just a kid playing guitar, right. because you you don't get you don't understand how strange it is until you're a fully grown adult and you go, wow, there's this little four foot eleven kid playing a full size adult guitar and sounding like he's fifty, but he's like eleven. So I get it now. But when I was a kid, I'm telling you, I I I actually hated it. I I hated that. There was a novelty element to it. I didn't like that people were coming to watch the, the little kid play guitar, you know. Um, but now, now I fully appreciate that because that's why you I understand have a why. Yeah, you understand why now because it, it it's not. There are many people much older than you that will never get to the level that you're right. at. Sure. You right. Know? But I love that that you have that perspective of the the appreciation for the gift and the inspiration that does flow through you. And, you know, Absolutely. that's that's just amazing. And I want to bring it back to that uh, video that we saw when you were 12. Yeah. Now, you were invited by John Mayall, blues legend, yep. to tour with him. How did that, first of all, come about? And how did that in experience impact you and kind of change the course of your life? Yeah, so um, so basically, so what was going on? So I, as you mentioned, you know, I'm from the Lehigh Valley. So I I got you know my dad. Um, 
I always, you know, my dad's never, my dad's not in the music business in any capacity. My dad's been in, you know, mortgages, financing, uh, banks, lending, whatever for years. But I always, I always tell him that I said, you know, you would have been a great booking agent uh, in, in, in another life because he was, he was so good at getting me. I was, I was playing uh, all over the Lehigh Valley to the point where, you know, like, Every, I was basically in the, in the, the you remember the morning call newspaper that was there? So I was in that paper like every weekend because I was playing in every place that had live music. You know, my dad really was a great, he was a great artist. Um, uh, he was a great agent, actually. He was great at that because I was just, I was constantly booked. Uh, I was playing all the places that every other artist would play. So, so I became kind of like, you know, locally famous as like, oh, this is that kid that, plays in Philly and Allentown, Bethlehem. So for a couple of years there, it got so big to the point where anywhere I would go and play, you know, the word got out, you know, about, wow, this little kid, you know. So there would be hundreds of people, like, every time I played, you know, and, and I became kind of like the local, uh, the hero, you know, local hero, right? So, and I was totally content with that. I didn't, you know, I was so young that my brain wasn't, you know, I wasn't thinking really about money or, or ego, like the things that as an adult you think about, like your ego and fame and money and how successful, that was like totally not on a 12-year-old's mind, you know. You just want to have fun and, and play and just, you know, um, and play the best you can. So, so I had been doing that for years and years, and then um, uh, I was playing this, this gig. It was like, so there's this theme park in Allentown called Dorney Park. I'm not even sure. Is it still there? I don't know. But it was like a little sort of poor, poor man's Disney, some kind of thing, or, you know, like a Six Flags kind of thing, but like half-assed, right? <laughs> so um, across the street was, I think it was, I don't know, it was a Comfort Inn or a Holiday Inn, some hotel chain that had a little restaurant and a small stage. Uh, and, you know, bands, uh, local bands would, would play this gig. It didn't pay much, probably a couple hundred bucks. But um, what happened was I started doing like a residency at this thing. So it was like every Thursday I would go play this Holiday Inn or, or whatever, whatever the hotel was across from Dorney Park. So I'm playing it week after week. You know, it's the same old crowd, same thing. But one week this guy... Uh, shows up to the gig and kind of a gruff looking guy, you know, older guy, uh, you know, long beard, whatever. And he went over to my dad and said, hey, I have this this good friend. Um, uh, she, she's, she promotes a festival in uh, Sarasota, Florida, and her name's Barbara. And um, and he goes, yeah, we're, you know, we're friends online and whatever. And he goes, uh, she, she her festival has this theme where every um, uh, every year, the opening spot at 12 noon is always like a young talent, you know, under 20 years old, somebody who's, you know, the next generation. Um, and he said, you know, Eric would be perfect for that. Uh, and my dad being, you know, kind of a practical guy, you know, a numbers business guy, uh, he was like, well, so we're going to we're going to drive or fly to Florida to play some three hundred dollar opening slot. You know, and and the guy said, "Listen, it's not about the money. Just do it for do it for exposure. Um, do it for you know Eric's ability to meet some other people and play in a different state." So we ended up taking the gig, and um, I think we actually drove because we had equipment or something. So we drove as a family from Allentown to Sarasota, Florida, and um, I, I opened the festival. Uh, I think it was like twelve noon. And basically, this is what happened. John Mayall was the headliner that night at 11 p.m. or something. 
So I certainly didn't expect to see him or meet him all day because I'm at 12 noon. He's at 11 p.m. As we all know, most artists don't arrive maybe a half an hour before, at the most an hour before they go on. So I was expecting to not even run into him. But just my luck, right at the tail end of my set, which was only 45 minutes, so probably 12.30 or so p.m., his tour bus pulls in behind the stage. And it was because he had to pick up some, I don't know if it was, you know, maybe hotel keys or credentials, something that he had to pick up early at the festival. So he gets out of his bus. Now he's behind the stage, okay? So we can't see who's playing, but he can hear the music, okay? So he gets out of his bus, hears me playing. The story that I'm told is that he says to his guys, Hey, give me a few minutes. I'm going to go check out this band. They sound pretty good. So he walks around to the front of the stage, and there's a little kid up there. He didn't know it was a kid, you know, because it's my guitar playing sounded grown up, you know. So he and he's and he's there in front of the stage, just like looking at this little kid, going, "Holy crap! I can't believe I'm hearing this coming out of this kid." So I'm still on stage. I'm still playing. He he runs backstage and and says to the promoter Barbara, he says, "Hey." Is this kid's father here? And she says, yeah, yeah, I'll take you to meet him. Uh, and like I said, this is all happening while I'm playing, so I don't know anything that's going on. So long story short, while I'm still on stage, John introduces himself to my father, says, I am absolutely going to bring your son on the road. Um, John said, you know, I have, an, I have a reputation for finding, uh, you know, great guitar players, which he does because for folks who don't know John – everybody's come through his band. Jeff Beck, Eric Clapton, Peter Green. Um, it, it's, it's just like this, this um, basic training boot camp of you want to be a guitar <laughs> player, you got to go through John, right? So my dad, having the great vinyl collection and knowing blues history, knew that John was not telling a lie. This is what John's known for. So he says, I'm taking your son on the road. Uh, give me a few weeks to set it up. You're going to see an email in your inbox with a flight ticket, um, you know, in the next two, three weeks. And he, my dad goes, wow, thanks. That's great. So we go back to Pennsylvania, and my dad sat me down and said, now, Eric, the music business, it's a tough business. Don't be offended if it doesn't actually happen. Because at this point, every charlatan and every snake had come out of the water or the grass at this point and promised to get me on Ellen or Letterman or, you know, everybody had promised me and my family millions of dollars and, and huge success. And of course, none of that happened. So my dad was preparing me for, you know, it could be another one of these where John, he means well, but you know, it just, it just isn't going to happen. So I go, I just go back to school, you know, like a regular kid. I'm just, you know, I'm playing basketball. I'm hanging out with my friends. Uh, I think I was at Salisbury Middle School at this time. And uh, three weeks passes, and my dad um, get gets an email from John with uh, three first class uh, tickets to Stockholm, Sweden, which, which was the first date of the of the tour. And um, so it was real. And um, so, yeah, me and my family, I'm 12 years old. I, we, we, we pack our bags um, and we get on a, uh, a plane and we fly to uh, Sweden to meet John on the first uh, date of the tour. And uh, then we traveled by tour bus for the whole rest of the tour, which was, you know, all over Europe. And, um, yeah, 
And, Wait a minute. <laughs> Did your parents yeah. stay with you? Yeah. So John, um, I, th I think John, you know, John was, was a, a, a parent as well. And, um, he actually had a son that was about my age at that time. So I think he looked at it and he went, look, you know, uh, I want this to be legitimate. I want this to be on the up and up. I want this kid's family to respect me as, as, um, uh, a you know, Eric's mentor, a band leader. So I think in his mind, he thought, well, if I only fly the kid over, that might, his parents might be a little concerned about maybe, you know, what's going on over here? Is somebody watching after him? So he, uh, he bought them two first class tickets as well. So they, they my, my parents were on the tour, in the tour bus with John and his <laughs> band. And I, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I, I actually found recently, I found um, some video, some behind the scenes video of like my mom sitting there talking with John about like, what kind of uh, floss they like or something like it's 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 so bizarre like it's yeah it's bizarre so yeah my family was on that tour my whole family came on that tour yeah wow yeah again that's it's like where do, where do you go from there that is that is that is amazing stuff and yeah it's wait bill i have to tell interrupt you because bill and i when i watch this video back are sitting here like this eric yeah <laughs> well, and, and there's, there's, there's one other thing that, that I wanted to just uh, ask you about as well. And you actually mentioned uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan earlier. And yeah. I saw, now this was just, again, just, just kind of something that I sensed or saw. Mm -hmm. As you were playing, the way you were hitting the chords, your wrist, your fingers, I yeah. saw Stevie Ray Vaughan in your hand movements. Yeah, uh, it, it, no. looked, it looks so much like the way he would play. Sure. And then I went to a, one of your other videos where you did something I didn't know anybody would have the courage to do. You played Scuttlebutton and Mary Had a Little Lamb and nailed oh, wow. it. I was like, wow. Yeah. records and stuff uh, whenever I listen to that to that older stuff or or it comes on in the car you know as sh you know in shuffle or whatever so I can hear so clearly that I was um, I was my influences I was wearing them on my sleeve so openly so obviously and so proudly and what's funny is you know as um, as I got older and as, and as my sat my own sound developed and as as uh, my ears evolved, my taste evolved. You you hear less of the obvious copying of your influences and more of the person himself. You know, more of my feelings, my thoughts, whatever. But yeah, in those early days, um, uh, and it's not a bad thing. It's it's you know when you're starting out, you have to you have to learn from somewhere. You know, you have to yeah. 
get inspiration and get material from somewhere. So yeah, those those first few records that I did when I was you know in my early teens, um, it's it's heavily heavily uh, a Stevie Ray Vaughan um, attempt <laughs> uh, or, or, or copy in a way um, with a little tinge of you know when I hear those early albums, I can hear little signs of what I would become later as a player. But it was but largely in those days it was me paying tribute to the, the, the players that I that I got all the licks from and, and stole everything from. And that's the way it is for everybody. You know, every artist in the, if you listen to their early the early part of their career, they're pretty derivative. You know, they you can hear that they're taking this from somewhere else that's that's you can easily trace the lineage. But you know, what I'm proud about now, the thing I'm the most proud about now is that after 25 years of playing, I'm finally at a point where people are starting to copy me, you know, and uh, and I hear people, you know, I'll see videos on YouTube where somebody will say, oh, uh, they'll break down like an Eric Stecco lick or something like that. And, and that really, I really love that because that, that makes me feel good that after all those years of copying everyone else and worshiping my heroes, Finally, now I'm getting to a point in the last couple of years where I'm starting to have a sound that people are trying to emulate. So that's like, for me, that's like, that's everything. That's like an honor, you know. Definitely. And, you know, it's funny you said that because I have also heard that all great artists study the great artists. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's also funny because in, um, influences change. Um, you know, if I, if, if I was doing this interview with, with you guys 10 years ago, my list would have probably been Stevie Ray Vaughan, uh, Albert King, uh, you know, uh, it would have been very traditional blues. Uh, and now my inspirations are, it's a whole different list. Now I would probably say Gary Moore, Eddie Van Halen, Rory Gallagher, Dan Huff. Uh, you know, it, it's just funny how the list changes and your ears change and, and your taste changes. And, um, and and also, the way I play now and my sound and the type of equi equipment I use, the way I approach it, 12-year-old me would have hated me. Like, I would have <laughs> never, I would have never gone to see me the way I play now back then because I was such a purist. I was like, when I was younger, if it wasn't, if it wasn't um, blues, and if the guitar had any distortion on it at all, I was I, I was like, get it away from me. And now, ironically, uh, my sound, I call it blues metal, actually, because my sound is just so heavy and so much more um, uh, powerful uh, than, you know, th than back then. So, yeah. There's definitely a huge, well, first of all, the, I, I love blues and, and I love that aspect of your, your playing and your band. And uh, we spoke earlier, we have a mutual friend in your band, John Platero, who's extremely talented. And when I came to see you guys live at the Sellersville Theater, you know, John said, Eric has me doing all these trash can endings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and there is that, you know, that, that power and that hard edge to it, you know, yeah. and, and boy, you guys really jam up there. It's funny, John and I, we joke about it all the time, you know, like, he's, he's like, Eric, you know, you're the only guy, you're the only bluesy type player that wants me to play more double bass. Uh, you know, he says a lot of the blues guys I play with, if I play, if I even do one double bass roll, um, it's like blasphemous to those guys, sacrilege to those guys. And he said, you're the opposite. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my approach to my music now is, is like, um, 
yeah, it, it, it's a lot heavier, a lot more modern, um, a lot more mature, but yet there is that blues root that's always there. It's just, you know, that, that basic ingredient in the recipe is, is still there, so. But you also yeah. play the piano quite well, yeah. and there's the blues influence in there. Yeah. How did you get so good on both of these instruments? Yeah, the piano thing is really bizarre. So piano was actually, a lot of people don't know, the piano was my first instrument, um, but not really like, okay, it's hard to explain. So like when I came up in the Lehigh Valley as the guitar, you know, the little mini guitar hero, everybody just thought, well, oh, since he's so young, this must have been his first instrument. But I actually had piano, le like traditional piano lessons that every kid gets, you know. I had that as far back as like six, seven years old before I even had a guitar. But... It, it never went anywhere, and I actually hated it because, like, I just didn't... Classical music and reading charts and, and sitting up straight and, like, that to me is, like, not... The fact that that's music and what I do now is also called music, that makes no sense to me. Like, those two are, like, totally different, you know, <laughs> polar opposites, right? So, so the piano lesson thing just 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 it just uh dissolved it just it just at a certain point my parents realized like this is not you know he's not he's not digging this so then i went on to you know i don't know playing baseball or whatever you know kids go through all these different phases right so that was a little mini phase that kind of dissolved so then what happened was fast forward way forward to like 2007 and you know at this point i i had already you know done the john may all stuff i at this point i was pretty established on on the blues scene as as a guitar player and I was, you know, 17 years old. So I'm making this album, uh, the album that I put out that year, it's called Feels Like Home. And um, I'm making the album. And if I can remember correctly, I wanted there to be a lot of Hammond organ and piano, a lot of keyboards on the record. Because the songs just, the material that I had written at that time lended itself to having a lot of keyboards. And I'm sitting there going, okay, who am I going to hire for this? You know, because I had, I had very specific sound in mind. And I'm like going through sort of like my Rolodex of musicians I know. And I'm like, ah, I don't think, nah, not this guy. Oh, this guy, ah, no, maybe not. So I'm like, I'm having trouble finding the person that I want to do that job. So uh, at a certain point, I just sat down at the, at the piano. My, you know, my family had a little music room in the house with like a digital piano in there. So I just sat down with my guitar in my lap at the piano bench. And I just started transposing everything I know here, putting it onto the piano, right? Mm -hmm. So sort of like reteaching myself the piano, but but throwing out all the old piano lesson stuff, like not reading, you know, no paper, not reading any sheet music, just taking the knowledge I have of the fretboard and applying it to the keyboard. So about six months of that. I'm starting to play some pretty decent, you know, blues piano licks, right? So I said, you know what? I'm going to try to do all the keyboards on this album myself. And I knew it was a daring thing because, first of all, you know, it's I'm known as a guitar player, so now I'm going to be playing two instruments on a record. Okay, let's see. And when I told the producer this, he was a little, because he hadn't heard me play any keyboard yet, so he's a little like, oh, you're going to play. Okay. So I, I remember actually vividly the moment we were, th I had this song called Southern Skyline, I think. And um, there was a little section for a keyboard solo and the producer had never heard me play any keys before. 
And I said, well, let me, let me take a solo in this one. So I'm sitting, and he presses record, and I did it, and that's the one that made the album. And um, that gave me the confidence, the fact that it went well, it gave me the confidence to do that and play all the keyboard parts on that record. So now, fast forward to all the way to the present, ever since then I've done all the instruments on my albums except for drums. social life at all? Uh, interesting question. Um, yes and no. So, uh, okay. So here, here's the best way I can answer this. <laughs> I love the road so much and I love touring so much. And I love the people that I tour with, you know, cause I have, I have all these different bands all over the world. Like it's always Eric Steckel. Like it's always me doing right. my, my songs. So what I mean by bands is I mean like, you know, uh, drums and bass, you know. So I have all these musicians all over the world. I'm personal friends with all these people that I play with. So uh, I actually, so for me, going out on the road with them and the adventure of the road, the laughs, the stories, uh, the, the moment, the surreal moments that you have, that actually has become my social life because so when I first started doing this, when I was a young kid, especially a teenage kid, everybody that I was working with was so much older than me that there was really no social aspect to it because I had my friends at school who were my age and we would you know ride bikes together in the neighborhood, play, play football together, whatever. And then I would go do this other, th I'd have this, this other life with these older adults and there was not a lot of, the only common thread was the, mu the music and the talent was the common denominator. But whatever was going on in my life was not the same as some 50-year-old guy who's divorced or something. Right? There's, not, you know, there's nothing there to really tie a 13-year-old kid with a 50-year-old guy, right? So, uh, but now that I'm older and the people I'm playing with are my age or somewhat, you know, or whatever... So now there is actually a level of, of bonding and friendship and adventure. And like just last night, I was um, uh, on Skype uh, with my European uh, bass player talking about, you know, we're going out in a, in a few weeks for a, um, a big Europe tour again. And um, we were actually just talking about this, how much we're looking forward just to being back on the road together and in the van and, and the story, <laughs> the laughs and the adventure and, and, you know, making fun of all the, all the knucklehead sound guys we run into and all the weird, all the weird people. You know, some, I'll tell you guys something. Sometimes just stopping at a gas station with your whole band, sometimes in a foreign country, sometimes that alone is just so much fun because you're just, you're just, you're these, you're these like, uh, these like pirates, uh, on this adventure and, and none of the rules of society apply to you. You're just, you're out there with your guys. Uh, you got your instruments, you're in some big sprinter van and, and you're speaking English, you know, and everybody else is doing whatever. So yeah, sometimes the social aspect of touring is actually what I look forward to most these days that I'm a little bit older, you know? Yeah. Now, Eric, I had one last question for you. You just talked about the European tour that's going to be uh, happening in the next few weeks. Any new music or any projects, anything else you might have on the horizon? Uh, it's going to be probably the busiest uh, touring year 
ever for me of my whole career. Um, it's going to be... So, like I said, so May 1st, I fly to Frankfurt, and we start this, this first run. The first leg is May through June, May through the middle of June, and it's like uh, Switzerland, Belgium, UK, uh, Netherlands, uh, Spain. Uh, uh, I'm probably forgetting a few there. Um, and then I, have, I come back from that tour. I come back to L.A. for three weeks just to catch my breath. Then I fly back overseas. I go do a big festival in Poland. Uh, we're headlining a, a, the biggest blues festival in uh, the whole country of Poland. And then two days later, we're playing um, the biggest festival in the Netherlands. It's called Boss Pop. And uh, that day, we're on the bill with Billy Gibbons, uh, Joe Bonamassa, a lot of big names that day we're on the bill with. So that's going to be a great festival. And then um, that month, I'm doing more stuff. I'm doing like Austria um, Germany, um, uh, it's insane, so this year coming up is going to be just absolute non-stop touring, um, so financially it's going to be, you know, wonderful year, um, but your question was about new projects, new music, and the answer is because there's so much touring this year, it's going to push that back a little bit. Well, you certainly have the talent to be absolutely huge, Eric, and Oh, and thank we're you. so glad that you came and talked to us and, and we wish you all the best. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's cool to um, it's cool to talk to somebody with a 610 uh, <laughs> phone number. That's that brought back a lot of memories. Just seeing that written, you know, I just want to let you know next time you're anywhere in the area, whether it's Sellersville again or whatever. This time I'm going to join my partner and come out and check you out. I look forward to seeing you. And in Excellent. the meantime, we thank you again for joining us. We wish you all the best, and I can't wait to see you play live. Hey, thanks. Yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully we get back to the Northeast uh, as soon as possible. Um, this year would be great if possible, but um, worst case, uh, early next year. So we'll see. Great. Thank you so much, Eric. And, folks, thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.